Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of the Out Loud family. We've spent the last couple of days talking about the need for truth to come back into education. This conversation started Monday when I was discussing this survey that came out recently. It's a survey of 2,000 voting age individuals. One of the questions in the survey asked you, what is the one thing, what's the one thing in public education that you're most concerned about? And it was what 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 came to the to the top of the heap was the mental health of of teens. Their 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 mental health crisis, I, I guess, is is kind of what the uh, what the survey termed it as that that we're in a mental health crisis in our teen population. And, and, you know, so we've taken the past couple of days and to talk about this crisis, I think it's accurate. You know, I I, I, I think there is a, a crisis afoot. I think there is a, a mental health issue that, that we're seeing come to the surface in the hearts and minds of, of teens everywhere, all over the place. And the question that I that I presented and have presented the past couple of days is, uh, what's the cause? And I am contending, I'm arguing that the cause is foundational, and it it points to there being a lack of truth. That truth is in, in short supply. There are there are people in the lives of these in these teens, people in the lives of, of of youth, people who who are not being honest, people who are not being truthful, people who would rather promote an agenda over helping a, a child instead of of sitting down with a child and and talking through issues with the child. There are people in all walks, politically, medically, educationally, you know, people in these fields who would rather promote their agenda and attack the family, ultimately. They would rather attack the family. They would rather promote an agenda, separate the family, rather than actually sitting down with a child and, and and working through issues. Instead of being honest with the child, instead of providing truth for the child, they would rather promote an agenda. We're in a short supply of truth in education. I've got an example here. It was today. February 21st, 1825, when um, Thomas Jefferson penned a letter. Uh, It was a friend and political ally of Thomas Jefferson who asked the retired president 
1825 to give some advice to his young son. The young son uh, was named Thomas Jefferson Smith. Uh, He had been named after Thomas Jefferson. A little more than a year before he died, Jefferson composed a letter to young Thomas Jefferson Smith, a letter to be given to him when he was old enough to appreciate it. He enclosed some practical advice, such as pride cost us more than hunger, thirst, and cold. And, you know, Jefferson would, he would know this firsthand. You know, he, uh, it was, it was Jefferson and, and John Adams who allowed pride to, to separate their friendship. I mean, pride was part of it. And they went for years without speaking to each other. So when Jefferson writes these words, pride costs us more than hunger, thirst, and cold, he's speaking from experience. He knew what pride cost him. Now, later on, he and John Adams uh, were able to reconcile, and they were able to rekindle their, their friendship of old. But Jefferson knew the cost of pride. He knew the price to be paid for having a proud heart. He also uh, wrote to the to the lad these words: "When angry, count ten before you speak." That's excellent advice. I, I mean, sometimes we, uh, you know, we have to take that advice. But he continued it. He said, "If very angry, a hundred. All right, if you're angry, count to ten. But if you're really super angry, you better count to a hundred. Yeah, you know, because you just you want to be cool." Calm and collected, you you want to have a cool mind in particular situations, as it were. But the most moving part of the letter consists of of these following few words. Here's what Jefferson said. This letter will to you be as one from the dead. The writer will be in the grave before you can weigh its counsels. Your affectionate and excellent father has requested that I would address to you something which might possibly have a favorable influence on the course of life you have to run. And I, too, as a namesake, feel an interest in that course. Few words will be necessary with good disposition on your part. And here they are. Adore God, reverence, and cherish your parents. Love your neighbor as yourself and your country more than yourself. Be just. Be true. Murmur not at the ways of providence. So shall the life into which you have entered be the portal to one of eternal and ineffable bliss. And if to the dead it is permitted to care for the things of this world, every action of your life will be under my regard. Farewell. Can you imagine young Thomas Jefferson Smith when he's of age and he's learned about, you know, the importance of of Thomas Jefferson and and who Thomas Jefferson was, what Thomas Jefferson represented, the things Thomas Jefferson did, and and not only crafting— the, the document which grants us freedom 
and the Declaration of Independence, you know, but also his efforts and and drafting the Northwest Ordinance, his efforts and things that he did as president. Can you imagine young Thomas Jefferson Smith coming of age and and his dad saying, you know, come here, Tom, I've got something for you, and handing him a letter written by his namesake, Thomas Jefferson, and opening up that letter and, and reading this advice to him just how impactful that would be, just how uh, how moving, how memorable, what what an in, an indelible impression it would have made on on young Thomas Jefferson Smith. What an indelible moment to open up this letter and read it. And take in this sage advice, this sage wisdom. Well, I think all of us can put ourselves in the shoes of Thomas Jefferson Smith. Put ourselves there. I mean, let's just pretend for a minute, all right? We live in pretend world anyway. You can pretend to be whatever you want. And then everybody else has to abide by your pretending. So let's pretend for a minute that this letter was written to us. And and let's take in the advice. Now we're talking about truth here. All right, we're talking about we're talking about truth being in short supply. You know, we're talking about our kids not receiving truth. For the most part, I mean there is a lot of truth that they're not getting and you know, I'll get to the articles you know, we're, we're going to spend some time documenting it. So let's just take it in for a second. All right. Jefferson's first words of advice are adore God. Well, if you're going to adore God, he has to exist. He actually has to be a thing. All right. God ha- has to be out there. But not only is is he something that, that we just know exists, but Jefferson says adore him. And then he says, reverence and cherish your parents. Mm, mm, mm. The the leaders in the left right now are imploding. What? You you can't reverence and cherish your parents. No, your parents don't want you to, to become the opposite gender. How dare you cherish them? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jefferson's talking about the family unit here. The, the, the family is important. Reverence, cherish your parents. All right. Wrap your arms around your family. Understand the importance of family. But he's not done. He says, love your neighbor as yourself and your country more than yourself. Now, all of us love ourselves. Okay. We do. Um, we we have our best interests at heart. And when Jefferson is repeating the words of Jesus here, and he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself," he's not saying, you know, love. Don't love yourself. You know, and he's not saying, you know, at your own, um, at your own, you know, dispense or, or disposal. You know, give to your neighbor. 
he's saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's an equal footing here. But then he says, love your country more than yourself. I mean, that, um, if we had politicians that loved their country more than themselves, this country would be amazing. America would have lost no footing. America would have lost no ground. Of course, that's not the case. But this is Jefferson's advice to us. Love your neighbor as yourself and your country more than yourself. Be just, be true, and murmur not at the ways of providence. Don't complain. Don't complain because what God is doing or because of what he's not doing. Don't murmur at the ways of providence. Providence is going to do what providence is going to do and just be a partner with it. Adore God and don't murmur at the ways of providence. He begins the advice and he ends the, the advice. God is the bookends of, of advice from Thomas Jefferson. It's advice of truth. This isn't, um, it, you know, there are no lies here. There's nothing made up. There's no falsehoods. There's no, none of this, uh, this business that is biologically incorrect or historically inaccurate. Uh, or, you know, there, there's no lies. Jefferson is telling the truth. And then he says, if, if you'll do this, if you follow my advice, so shall the life into which you have entered be the portal to one of eternal and ineffable bliss. If you'll do these things, this life that you are that you are embarking upon, it'll be a good one. No matter what comes your way, you'll be able to handle it. No matter what life throws at you, you'll be able to handle it. You will live a good life. It'll be eternal and it'll be ineffable bliss. Uh it's it, it, what if our kids we're getting this kind of advice, this type of sage wisdom, this, you know, th this is the truth. So when I talk about truth, when I talk about truth being in short supply, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, learning how to do math and learning how to read, even though that, uh, you know, apparently the, the proper teaching of that is in short supply with two-thirds of our eighth graders not being proficient. I'm talking about actual truth. I'm talking about foundational truth. I'm talking about a foundational truth that will allow kids, that will allow young people, that will allow teens to work through the issues that they have to face. And it's these issues which are creating this mental health crisis that we're you know, watching unfold throughout the country. These are the issues that that they need help with. These are the issues that they're, that they're not getting that help with and for. Instead, they're told, you know, when, when they go see a doctor, depending on who that doctor is, they're told that they're in the wrong body. And when they go to a counselor at school, they're told, and maybe they're in the wrong body. And they have teachers at school that encourage them to, well, you know, go by a different name, a different pronoun, 
And then those same teachers are encouraged by administration to eh, don't share that with parents. Parents don't need to know this, that it would it would ruin the child's uh, trajectory to health if the parents tried to talk them out of this. That, that my friends, is not truth. That's a lie. And, and when I say truth is in short supply, this is what I'm referring to. I'm referring to this type of advice by Thomas Jefferson, and it's simple. It's, it, it's well, it's the first two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's how Jefferson starts out. It says, adore God. Cherish your parents. Love your neighbor as yourself and your country more than yourself. Uh, this is the this is the the foundational truth, the foundational advice that if if our children's lives were built upon, it would make a difference. It would make a difference for their present, and it would make a difference for their future. It would give them the tools to work through these these things and these issues that they're faced with. They're faced with things that we were not faced with, at least my generation. You know, kids today are, um, I mean, they have so much more coming at them. They're, they're bombarded with things I was not bombarded with. And, and, they, and they do not have these foundational truths that are being taught to them at a young age if it's not happening in the home because it's not happening at school anymore. All right. Um, Thomas Jefferson. Today's the day, February 21st, 1825. Words in Memorial. All right, we're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. We're up against it. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code out loud global healing giving you the power to take control of your health naturally i'm so confused i don't know what to do i'm afraid of going to the hospital my doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work trust is earned we are the energetic health institute and we want to earn your trust natural medicine holistic nutrition detoxification fasting cellular healing and so much more Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. We are happy to have you on board no matter how you are listening, whether it be live via the app, which is uh, my favorite way to listen. I love listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio via the app. I mean, it's there on your phone. You can download it for your Android, your Alexa, your iPhone, boom, and there it is. You've got it live. Or, you know, if you're sitting at your desk or if you're in the kitchen or, you know, you're in the living room, you can listen on the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news or wherever you find your podcasts. The show goes into podcasts usually within 24 hours. So whether you are listening to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, I don't know, you name it, wherever you listen, you will find us there. We are happy to have you on board. America Out Loud is a leading voice in the rise of the new media. And uh, it's where smart people go to get their news and information. So congratulations on being one of the smart ones. We are happy that you are on board. We are talking about truth and the importance of, of actual foundational truth. I think it would be fantastic if each and every one of us had somebody to speak truth into our lives, the way Thomas Jefferson spoke truth into the life of young Thomas Jefferson Smith. Matter of fact, uh, when you know Cindy and I, I, I didn't even know Thomas Jefferson was asked to do this by Mr. Smith. Uh, but, you know, we asked some men, you know, who if they would write letters to Joshua when he had a certain age, uh, we just we just feel like it's important to to have individuals that, you know, and trust that that can speak truth and wisdom into the lives of of your kids uh, in, into the lives. Uh, this is so important to be able to speak truth into the heart and mind of a young person. It, it, can, it can make the difference. It can make or break them. I mean, we have, right now we have this situation brewing in California. We've talked about it. These two teachers that uh, were released because they were not following state policies. Uh, what are their names? Mirabelli and West. Elizabeth Marabelli and Lori Ann West. We've talked about them in the past. Uh, you, you know, they 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 did not like the policy that said you, you have to keep parents out of the loop here. All right, you got to keep this a secret from parents. If Johnny wants to be Janie, then parents can't know about it. And these two ladies are like, no, I'm not going to lie to a parent. Uh, you know, that that is not... Uh, reverencing and cherishing your parent. That's not that's not what Thomas Jefferson advised. We're not going to do it. And so the school district retaliated against them. And the, there was a lawsuit. Uh, they're both devout Christians, and they filed suit to object to policies. They say mandate dishonesty. Right? This is uh, in the San Diego area. Uh, the legal complaint in the case was originally filed last April, 2023. Uh, 
in the U.S. District for the Southern District of California, and it was filed against the Escondido Union School District and officials within the California State Board of Education. So these are the people that are involved in the suit. Uh, the lawsuit was was prompted by the K-8 school district's recent policies affecting transgender students. Now we're talking about kindergarten through eight, all right? And they have a transgender student policy. Kindergarten through eighth grade. Kindergarten through eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do I need to repeat that? Uh, the policies require teachers to assist in students' transgender social transition. Kindergarten through eighth grade. They have to, as a teacher, you have to help the child along transition socially by accepting a child's assertion of a transgender or gender diverse identity. Kindergarten through eighth grade. And during school hours, the policy stated that teachers had to use any pronouns or gender-specific names requested by the student, okay, kindergarten through eighth grade. There is no reason that a student who is in kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade should be questioning their gender. There's just no reason that there is no there is no room for this, not in a society where where we're telling kids the truth. There's just there is there's no place for for this type of action. There's no type. There's no place for this type of policy to be in a school that's K through eight. Not in a society that is that is truly interested in telling the truth. If 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 California was interested in telling the truth, they would sit Johnny down and they would say, "Look, Johnny, buddy, you know I'm sorry, but you're a boy, and it doesn't matter if you want to be called by a girl's name. You're a boy, and you know what, Johnny? It doesn't even matter if if you want to be, use a different pronoun." If even if we can refer to you as she and her all day long, but look, little man, you're a boy. And you know what? Even even if you got your name legally changed to Janet, you, my good man, are a boy. And and Johnny, even even if you had surgery and you had things removed and things added, it, it doesn't matter. You're a boy. You have an X and you have a Y. It's built into your biology. You're a boy. And you can have that same conversation with little Susie. And you can tell Susie the same thing. Matter of fact, you can tell Susie, look, Susie, we do know what a woman is, and it's it's going to be you here in a couple of years. Or maybe it's you right now. Okay? Uh, you, you have two X's. So I, I don't know. Maybe you saw this, this, this uh, clip. I saw this clip the other day of this boy at a spelling bee. Uh, of course, it's satire, and the, the word that he has to spell is woman. And he says, uh, can I get the definition, please? And the judges are like, they're looking at each other. Oh, uh, what? You want the definition of a woman? And the male judge says, uh, 
Uh, and he's kind of bumbling and stumbling. And then the female judge takes over. She just says, no, you may not have the definition of a woman. And, and of course, finally, the judge says, well, you know, it's it, uh, a woman can, can be defined however you want to define it. And he says, so, OK, we'll define it then. I want you to define it. And the judge says, no. And finally, you know, the, the little student says, well, why? And he says, well, because you're just a you're just a bigot, Johnny. You're, you're, because you want to know what a woman is, that makes you a bigot, right? This is, uh, it's funny because it's true, because this is the society that we find ourselves in the middle of. It's, it's a society that doesn't have truth as its foundation. And clearly, it does not have truth as its foundation. When you have this, you have a K-8 public school in California, and they have this as their policy, there's no truth here. No, no, the, the truth is in short supply. This is what I'm referring to when I say truth is in short supply. Do you know you were saying that, that the kids aren't learning math and reading? Well, I mean, they're not for the most part. Two-thirds of them aren't, at least. They're not proficient in it. Whatever they're learning, they're not proficient in it. But it's these foundational things. that This right here is foundational. It's foundational to life. It's It's... It's biology, and we're lying to them. And are we okay with it? Are we? I don't think we are. I don't think the majority of us are okay with it. Um, at the same time, the policy here in this school district in California, what is it again? It's the Escondido Union School District. At the same time, the policy requires teachers to revert to biological pronouns and legal names when speaking with parents. We've talked about this. Of course, this is an effort to conceal information regarding a child's asserted gender claim. Okay, Parents, they can't know. Okay, They've got to be kept in the dark because if they know, then they're going to go to great lengths to help Johnny out. They're going to go to great lengths to talk Johnny through this. And that's not what the school district wants. They don't want anybody talking Johnny through this, helping him through this issue. They want a mental health crisis. Oh, D, are you saying public schools want a mental health crisis? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying all public schools. I'm saying there are people out there who want a mental health crisis. I mean, there's no other way to explain this. Why would this be your policy? I mean, this is foundational truth. But yet you are you are ignoring foundational truth as your policy. If you ignore foundational truth as your policy, you are inviting mental health issues. You're inviting them. You're opening the door. You're kicking both doors wide open. And you're saying, come on in. We want you here. You can stay here. You know, mental health issues, you can stick around as long as you want. Because we're ignoring foundational truths. So. Uh, the teachers objected to this. They objected on moral and religious grounds to these policies. They said they were uncomfortable at the prospect of keeping secrets from parents about their children's gender identities at school. They're uncomfortable about lying to parents. They're uncomfortable about ignoring foundational truths. And, you know, I'm proud of these two ladies. I, there should be more. Why aren't there more? Why aren't there more people with courage in California to stand up and say, why are we lying 
to kindergartners? Why are we lying to first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders? Why are we lying to students? Why are we lying to young people? Why are we helping along this national crisis in uh, in mental health and young people? We're, we're aiding and abetting. Aiding and abetting. Well, these two ladies aren't. Uh, they asked the district to exempt them from the policies based upon their moral and religious grounds. And of course, their requests were denied. The district said, no, we're not going to exempt you from these policies. Why? Why? No, because because then that might help the, the child. And well, we want to destroy the child. I mean, obviously, that's not what they're saying, but that's what they're saying. That's what their actions say. I mean, their words are, we've got to help. We've got to be inclusive. We have to help little Johnny. And and he wants to be a girl. And so we have to help him along. And we can't let the parents know because the child has rights. You know, that's the verbiage that we get. And that verbiage is destructive. It's not helpful. It's destroying foundational truths. So uh, these two ladies, you know, filed this lawsuit in April. However... They, they dialed it up a notch here just a few weeks ago. On January 29th, the teachers amended their complaint. And in their amended complaint, they added uh, Gavin, Mr. Newsom, and Mr. Bonta, both Democrats, governor and the AG of California. They added them as defendants in the lawsuit. Uh, Paul Jana is the attorney for the two ladies. He said these previously named defendants are all operating under the supervision and control of the governor, who has ultimate responsibility for overseeing the state's education system. The Escondido Union School District has asserted that it is compelled by the state to adopt and enforce parental exclusion policies in which California dictates the deception requiring teachers to lie to parents about their students. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. That leads to the conclusion that the state and therefore the governor is the driving force behind the violation of Elizabeth Mirabelli and Lori Ann West's constitutional rights. Amen. Preach it, brother. Yeah, the governor's responsible. He's the driving force here. He and the AG, I mean, they're both in lockstep on this. The school district requires all elementary and middle school teachers to, quote, unhesitatingly accept a child's assertion of a transgender or gender diverse identity and begin to treat the student immediately according to their asserted gender identity. That's what the complaint says. And it continues, there is absolutely no room for discussion. There's no room for polite disagreement. There's no room for even questioning whether the child is sincere or acting on a whim. Once a child's social transitioning has begun, the district, uh, the elementary and middle school district teachers must ensure that parents do not find out. So it doesn't matter if little Johnny's acting on a whim. The second he says something, these teachers are required to quote, unhesitatingly, you can't even think about it. You just go, oh, Johnny wants to be a girl. Okay, well, okay, she, come here. Come here, she, come here. This is insane. 
I mean, it's not only grammatically incorrect, it's biologically incorrect. It's educationally incorrect. These kids are at a school where they where they learn grammar and where they learn biology, and yet you're telling them, oh, Lord, help all of us bring back truth. We, we want truth to come back. We want truth to come back into our schools. We do. We, we, we want it back. Uh, I pray that truth comes back. I pray that there's people that have the courage to, to stand up in the face of lies and invite truth back into their school building. I pray that there's people out there that would stand up in the face of lies and have the courage to invite truth back into their classroom. It, it, it doesn't even have to be in the form of God. All right. I mean, God ultimately is truth, but just invite truth back into the classroom. Just invite biological truth back into the classroom. Just invite grammatical truth back into the classroom. Uh, you know, take take a page from 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 the playbook of these two ladies here, and and have some courage and stand up in the face of a school district. Stand up in the face of administrators who are interested, who are hell bent on delivering falsehoods, who are hell bent on destroying the lives of these kids. This complaint continues. The school district's policies state that revealing a student's transgender status to individuals who do not have a legitimate need for the information without the student's consent is prohibited. And in their mind, that's the parents. All right, I'm up against the break. We'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now, George Washington once encouraged us to animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. That's exactly what we do, as you'll see when you visit AmericaOutloud.news. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. And we're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. So I'm just going to dive back into this. I'm so, uh, oh, it just, I don't even know what to say about it. I, I, in terms of the way it, it makes me feel. I, I, I don't have words. This policy and, 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 and the teacher's complaint. Their complaint says the district's policies state that revealing a student's transgender status to individuals who do not have a legitimate need for the information without the student's consent is prohibited. And parents or caretakers are, according to the district, individuals who do not have a legitimate need for the information, irrespective of the age of the student or or the specific facts of the situation. So this is a policy that's in a K through eight district. So if a kindergartner wants to be, you know, the other gender, then the district would, would, would say that the parents do not have a a right to know. They do not have quote, a legitimate need for this information without the student's consent. So if the kindergartner does not consent that mom and dad know, then mom and dad do not have a legitimate need, according to the school district. This is not truth, my friends. This is what I'm talking about. When I say truth is in short short supply, I'm referring to foundational truth. I'm, I'm referring to common sense truth, ultimately. You might remember last fall, the North Carolina governor, vetoed this parental rights bill and and then and the house and senate north carolina with the supermajority overrode the governor's veto and now, now mind you it's a, it's a parental rights bill, bill it's the same thing here that that we're seeing in california this bill made it so uh, schools could not hide from parents what was happening in the school building schools were forced then to tell the parents Tell the parent Johnny wants to be the other gender, and parents had to find out. All right, this is what that parental rights bill was in North Carolina that that governor vetoed, that the House and Senate overrode. Now, now we're seeing that uh, after a month long delay, I'm looking at this article. This is from the Epic Times. This is just a couple of days ago. It says North Carolina school districts wrestle with parents' bill of rights. That's the headline. One school board has reluctantly agreed to adopt the policy, but another is remaining defiant and refuses to abide by the law. This is this is what you're finding in North Carolina. After a month's long delay, one North Carolina school board has acquiesced to state law, requiring the adoption of a parental rights policy, while another refuses to abide by the law. Uh, This is a quote from Asheville City Schools Board Chair 
George Seibert. Seibert? Seibert? Sorry, George. This was at the school board meeting just a couple of weeks ago. Here's what, here's what the board chair said. At its core, we know that SB 49, or the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, seeks to harm our queer youth and families. As misguided and obtuse as this legislation is, it is written in such a crafty way that as a school board, our hands have been tied. It is a parental bill of rights. It's, it's, a, it's a law that says parents need to know what's going on. But this board, the school board chair says it's going to harm our queer youth and families. It seeks to harm them. That's what it does. It seeks to harm them. No, sir, it doesn't. It seeks to keep parents in the light. It seeks to pull parents out of the dark that you want to keep them in. It's a bill that seeks to give parents all the information that they can possibly have about their children, which you, sir, want to keep from them. This is the kind of uh, evil. I'm not even going to call it incompetence. It's evil. SB 49 was among the state bills mischaracterized in some media. Uh, just like what they did in Florida when they said, you know, don't say gay. Um, in reality, the legislation, as the name indicates, gives more rights to parents to see what materials are being used in the classroom, as well as notifying the parents of any medical or mental health treatments recommended for the child. Now, uh, this is important. This is important. Parents need to know any medical or mental health treatments recommended for the child. Now, it, it, we, we in this survey that we talked about the other day, they quote unquote connected the dots between schools and the need for an expansion of mental health access within the school system. All right. No, there is not a need for mental health access within the school system. This, this isn't the need here. The need is for truth. The need is for people that have responsibility, authoritative responsibility, educational responsibility in the lives of these, of these young people. The need is for these adults to tell the young people the truth. That's the need. Nothing more, nothing less. Tell them the truth. If you start telling the kids the truth, over a period of time, you will watch mental health improve. I promise you, you will. And, and I'm not even a doctor. In addition, SB 49 requires that parents be notified of any name or pronoun changes related to their child while prohibiting instruction on gender identity, sexual activity, or the teaching of sexuality in kindergarten through fourth grade classrooms, which, by the way, in kindergarten through fourth grade classrooms, sexuality should not be taught. Don't teach it. Teach foundational things. Teach, teach educational foundational things to the kindergartners, to the first graders, to the second graders, to the third graders, to the fourth graders. Yes. So uh, these are the facts of SB 49. These are the, uh, the facts of the Parents' Bill of Rights. So, Mr. Board Chair George Seibert, how, sir, is this seeking to harm 
queer youth and families? How is this seeking to harm anyone? Where are you, where are you basing your claim that someone's being harmed? All right, let's 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 say that Johnny wants to be Janie. And the fact that parents know this, how is Johnny being harmed? Well, Johnny's being harmed because the parents aren't going to let him be Janie. You are a moron if that is your defense. Mm, Dean, I can't. <laughs> Dean, you, know, you just called that guy a moron. All right. Okay. I take it back. This, is, this by the way, becomes my my inner Cynthia voice. Yeah, Because if Cindy were here, she'd be like, you cannot call people a moron. You just, you have to be nice. Okay. I take it back. Moron was it was over the top. I shouldn't call him a moron, uh, but he's not accurate. He's not accurate to say that this is that this bill is going to harm anybody because mom and dad has discovered that they want to be the other that the child wants to be the other gender. This is going to save that child's life because that child's life would be destroyed by the policies of this school, and that, my friends, is accurate. That is foundational truth, and that's what we're in a short supply of, and that's what needs to come back. The GOP-controlled uh, state general assembly was able to override the veto, uh, but Mr. Seiberg said, State Bill 49 is a law. Whatever policies and practices we as a board and we as a district choose to enact, they do nothing to change the humble effects of this law. Therefore, Refusing to pass the policies as a matter of moral principle would neither negate the law or protect our kids in our view. Mr. Seiberg then thanked the Asheville-based campaign for Southern equality for the lawsuit the organization filed against the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction, alleging that North Carolina schools are violating Title IX protections by systematically marginalizing uh, homosexual students. The organization said it has already heard from students and staff who claim the pernicious mandates are causing harm to students in the form of calls of curriculum and libraries. Students forced back into the closet. Students walled off from supportive services and outlets beneficial to their mental health. And a pall of fear cast over the whole of the state's public education system. A pall of fear cast over the whole of the state's public education system. So they're, they're claiming here that, uh, that students walled off from supportive services and outlets beneficial to their mental health. They're walled off from receiving mental health care. I promise you that the mental health care of these students will improve if they would just have someone speak truth into their lives. Personally, I hope that complaint gets its fair day in court, Mr. Seiberg said. In response to the allegations in the lawsuit, uh, the superintendent, Catherine Truitt, said the purpose of the legislation is plain and simple, which is to provide transparency for parents. Parents, not the state, are ultimately responsible for raising their children, she said. The Parents' Bill of Rights ensures that parents remain aware of major health-related matters, which impact their child's growth and development. So we've got a superintendent here that has a clear head on her shoulders. 
for the time being, Cyberg said the board would be making adjustments to the policy within the parameters of what is allowed. He said, and for this board, that means combining or combing through and revising policy language to make sure that our staff and students know their well-being is foremost. He added that the board will be discussing a reform policy in March that will focus on students impacted by the legislation. I want to assure everyone that this law and the policies around it do little to alter how our staff works with and supports our students, particularly our trans and queer youth. Before this bill, our staff listened to, loved, and worked with our youth who are exploring who they are and how they need to be in this world. Our staff will continue to listen to, love, and work with our youth. Yes, but, it, it, you know, but, sir, your staff did so in a way that did not include the parents. Your staff, you know, quote, listened, loved, and worked with the youth to explore who they who they are and, and how they need to be in this world, all the while keeping the parents in the dark, sir. And the point is that parents have rights and their rights supersede your rights as a school when it comes to the education of their children. Parental rights supersede your own or what you think your rights are. Or, uh, just the audacity of these people. The audacity of this man to to say that his staff at that school loves and cares for those kids while keeping the parents in the dark and keeping it a secret from the parents. There is no truth in that. You don't love and care for the kids. If you loved and cared for the kids, you would let mom and dad know what's going on in the kids' lives, and you would let mom and dad help them. What you love and care for is your evil policy and your evil agenda. That, sir, is what you love and care for. You love and care for your, your Marxist, communist policy and agenda over every single student in that building. Mm. It's a good thing that this, <laughs> it's a good thing this segment's going to come to a close pretty quickly. The Chapel Hill School Board has defied state law by refusing to enact certain aspects of the parental rights law. So now you've got a school board over here in Chapel Hill, which is not only just complaining about it, they're going to just flat out defy it. The board chair over here in Chapel Hill, his name is George Griffin. He acknowledged that the protest could bring about legal problems, but that someone needed to stand up for what is right. Just because something's a law doesn't make it right he said at a January 18 board meeting. He called the bill discriminatory. My scent is that we do need to stand up and show people that somebody has the courage to just say this is morally wrong. And we're not going to do it this way. You, sir, are... Mm, Mr. Griffin just said that this law is morally wrong. A law that would include parents in the decision-making process, Mr. Griffin said is morally wrong. Uh, Ms. Truitt responded to the board's protest on social media. So Ms. Truitt, all right, so I referred to her earlier. I thought she was the superintendent out of the uh, out of this Asheville school district. DPI Superintendent Catherine Truitt 
Well, I don't know. We're talking about Chapel Hill. So in this article, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where Miss Truitt is is superintendent from. Uh, but she responds to the board's protest on social media. No, sorry. You may not break the laws you don't like, even in Chapel Hill, she said. On, she posted on X. I worked with the legislature to pass the Parents' Bill of Rights to protect children and empower parents, and it's unacceptable for Chapel Hill or anyone else to ignore it. Uh, North Carolina Republican State Senator Jim Perry criticized the board's failure to adopt the legislation, calling the move short-sighted. Are teachers or principals free to pick and choose which school board policies they will follow, he asked. Uh, laws, he said, are the building blocks of civilization. Law is the foundation that provides order, allows us to coexist together as a society. Disregard for laws leads to anarchy, but you know, you've got a school board over here that doesn't care uh, because they don't believe in truth. This, again, I, I feel like I have repeated myself quite a bit over the past three days, and I'll probably continue to repeat myself here because these foundational truths are necessary. They're, they're necessary not only for these, these kids to develop into uh, outstanding adults and outstanding citizens. Foundational truths are necessary to the foundational building blocks of our society. We don't have a society without foundational truth. All right. It's my prayer that foundational truth makes its way back. And it's it's making its way back into, into private school circles. Private, classical, Christian schools, my friends, are are engaged in foundational truth. Homeschool co-ops are engaged in foundational truths, and we need it back. We're in short supply, but we need it back. All right, uh, we'll get it back because we're going to stay at it. That's all the time we have for today, America. However, thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the deeds list. Let's unite to renovate the age.